Good evening, everyone. Um, Please open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, because I'm going to be in and out of that all night. Well, not all night, for 25 minutes. Uh, So yeah, do open your Bibles. Um, And I wonder um, what sort of difference you think integrity makes. Integrity being when someone models their message, when their words match their behaviour, when what they say meets with what they do. Me and my brother used to love watching The Apprentice. Uh, This was back in the day uh, of Sir Alan rather than Lord Sugar. The glory days of the 12-week interviews rather than the business deal. And the entertainment was unreal. I loved it. Me and my brother loved it, particularly Sir Alan. He is just the master of sniffing out lack of integrity. He hates the smell of it. He's brilliant at it. And if I end up ever being in the position of a future father-in-law, I think that the one thing or the biggest thing that I'll be looking for in that potential groom or husband-to-be is integrity. That's the one thing that I'd want for that man to have. It's not a bad motto, really, is it? No blessing, no integrity. And isn't that true, right, that one of, the main, uh, one of the main reasons people will stop listening to us and we will stop listening to people is if our integrity or their integrity is compromised. In fact, I think, uh, that, is the, I think that the very thing that defends our words and the things that we say and the messages that we give is our integrity. And that's the same with the church. We would be a compromised people if we don't have integrity. The message of the Lord Jesus that we believe must match the way we model it. Integrity makes all the difference. And Paul, the bloke who wrote this letter, thinks the same thing. Uh, The sort of integrity Paul is defending here is exactly the sort of integrity we need to look for both in others and in ourselves and to pursue it. Uh, And it's clear that that's what he's defending. Just look at verse 12. Now this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relations with you. How? With integrity and godly sincerity. And in Acts 18, Paul actually planted this church. He stayed there and established it for like 18 months or whatever. And he's clearly had a rocky and deep history with these people. Just read 1 Corinthians. So if you and your message is being doubted, if the people you've invested in uh, are in danger of drifting away from you, the first place you start is by defending yourself. Paul isn't wanting to argue with them, you know, in the like, I win, you lose sort of way. He actually wants to win them back and be affirmed in their trust of him. 2 Corinthians is not a heartless work email. This is a letter where Paul is pleading with people he knows and loves dearly. Look how I have conducted myself, he says, especially in relation to you. And his integrity is not something he relies on himself for. It is something that he has been given. Did you notice that at the end of verse 12? We have done so relying not on worldly wisdom, but on God's grace. This is not a selfish boast. 
where, you know, he, he is the one that is on the podium here. No, his integrity is a testimony of God's given grace to him. And so from that place, we see our first thing about Paul's integrity. Our, my first point is it's motivated by the future. Look at verse 13. For we do not write to you anything you cannot read or understand. And I hope that as you have understood us in part, as in understood their conduct, you will come to understand fully that you can boast of us just as we will boast of you in the day of the Lord Jesus. Paul hopes that he can boast in the Corinthians in the day when Jesus returns. But more than that, he's, he's utterly keen for them to boast in him in the way that he has been with them. Part of his defence is saying, this is what I'm looking forward to, the day of the Lord Jesus' return. Paul's motivation is for them and him to boast about each other to Jesus. I think that's remarkable. What's the most important day in history to you? For Paul, it's the day of the Lord Jesus' return. And in his plead for these Corinthians to stick with him, he says that he's motiv- been motivated by that day. He wants them for the end. You can picture Paul's desire, can't you? He wants to be able to point to them and say to the Lord Jesus, look, they stuck with, it. They stuck with you. And he wants the Corinthians to say the same of Paul. And if they reject him now, they won't be able to say that. Isn't that something that you want? That's definitely something that I want. To have someone put their arm around my shoulder and me to put my arm around their shoulder and say to the Lord Jesus when he returns, isn't it great that they're here? That would be quality, wouldn't it? That's massively, that massively, I think, challenges the way that we see our relationships with each other. Um, Paul behaves in a way so that he can boast to Jesus about them. Paul's integrity was motivated by the future. The second thing uh, we see uh, was that his integrity was founded on God's faithfulness. And he particularly shows that in the way that he intended to come to see them, which on the surface is a little odd. Uh, Look at verse 15. Because I was confident of this, confident of the way he conducted himself, that is, I wanted to visit you first so that you might might benefit twice. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and then to let you send me on my way to Judea. Was I fickle when I intended to do this? Or do I make my plans in a worldly manner so that in the same breath I say both yes, yes and no, no? Paul says that he eventually changed his plans to visit them in verse 23. Does that mean that he has lost his integrity? His credibility down the drain. He even asks them uh, in verse 17, was I fickle? Do I say yes or no in the same breath to please everyone? Well, it looks like it, Paul, doesn't it? You just said you plan to visit us and we have this letter in front of us. Bit of a strange way to argue. Uh, And he continues, and we get to see that he actually defends his intention first of all. Uh, Look what he says in verse 18. But as surely as he brings God into it, but as surely as God is faithful, our message to you was not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, preached among you by us, 
me, Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, he keeps going, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken to us by the glory of God. Do you see what Paul is saying? You have seen me and heard me. The message that I preached to you wasn't fickle, but as surely as God is faithful, verse 18, our message to you is not yes and no. Our message of Christ, Paul says, wasn't to be trusted by some and doubted by another. Why? Because of verse 19. Jesus Christ, who we preached, was not yes and no. In fact, in him it has always been yes. So much so that all promises that God has made are yes in Christ. In other words, we point to the faithfulness of God seen in the message of Christ. That's all we've done. So when it comes to our apparent wavering, let's remember, Corinthians, that I came and preached to you for a year and a half. And my message wasn't yes for one person and no for another. Maybe, Corinthians, have you thought about this? There might be another reason. But before that, he grounds it even further in verses 21 and 22. And notice who is behind everything in these verses. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So the reason I change my plans is because God isn't fickle. God is faithful. So therefore, I seek to be faithful too. I wasn't yes and no in my message, and I wasn't yes and no in my intentions either. So why does, inte- so why does integrity make all the difference? Because God is a God of integrity. He is utterly faithful. And Paul says that this is where he builds his decisions from. His integrity is founded on God's faithfulness. The third thing uh, is we see about Paul's integrity is, it, is that it's driven by a selfless love. And this adds, this only adds to the fact uh, that he's not in it for his own comfort or to people please. And this massively ramps up the idea that he is pleading for their trust in him. Just look at how he starts in verse 23. I call God as my witness and I stake my life on it that it was in order to spare you that I did not return to Corinth. This is the other reason, Corinthians, to spare you pain. My heart was so for you in the sight of an all-seeing God, I take it to my grave that that is the case. And verse 24, he doesn't want to puff himself up. When it, that's, what, that's what it means when he talks about lording it over you. He actually wants to work with them, not to pain, not to pain them, but for their joy, for his joy. Paul is making decisions based on what is best for them, out of a deep love for them. And so, verse 1 of chapter 2, I made my mind up that I would not make another painful visit to you. After writing 1 Corinthians, Paul went to see them for a second time. That was the painful visit. That's what he's on about. But this is tough love, isn't it? Perhaps, uh, I think parents know this the best. 
when you take something away from your child for their own good. They kick and scream and cry and think the world's over, but you have saved them hassle in the long term. And he, and he cho- chose not to go because of verse 2. Look at what it says. For if I grieve you, who is left to make me glad but you whom I have grieved? When you hurt someone you love, nothing else can heal you apart from that same person. And so Paul decides not to go. He wrote a letter instead, verse 3. A different letter. Not for it to be like a, a, a time of distress, but actually for it to be a time of rejoicing. And verse 4, look how he wrote it. For I wrote to you out of great distress and anguish of heart and with many tears to grieve you, not to grieve you, but to let you know the depth of my love for you. His tears when writing this letter, the letter that he wrote, not this letter, speaks of his love for them. We can't pin down what the issue was uh, in Corinth, but we do know that it it required tough love. And tough love didn't go down well, despite him having confidence that it would in verse 3. I think Sir Alan would like the smell of Paul. His integrity is not lacking. The Corinthians are better off. And that's because his decision was driven by a selfless love for them. What are your decisions uh, driven by with people? I'm ridiculously good at making decisions based on my self-righteousness. And the funny thing is, I'm always, always worse off for it. I should probably trust Jesus when he, uh, that he knows what he's talking about when he says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And he gave his life. I'm actually very thankful for this church. Uh, I think this is a strength we have. Um, you got it, the Josh Greenhill stamp of approval for what it's worth. <laughs> I've got someone in my life uh, from this church that's able to say to me, you've been really hurtful. That's tough love. But selfless love. Because it was for my good to hear, that, to hear those words. For, um, and this love is the love that drives Paul. For the church that he's tempted, that, that's tempted to doubt him. You can't now, in other words. His integrity is defended, I think. And finally, uh, Paul's integrity leads to forgiveness. This is where the rubber hits the road. Forgiveness is hard. And Paul knows that. Look at verse 5. If anyone has caused grief, he has not so much grieved me as he has grieved all of you to some extent, not to put it too severely. Again, we don't know what's happened, but what we do know is that it has caused grief. That's not a light word, is it? Paul doesn't play that down. And it looks as though the Corinthians have disciplined this person that has caused grief, which Paul is happy about. You get that feeling from verse 6, the punishment, look at it, the punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient. They haven't overdone it. Paul's happy to say that it's sufficient the way they've disciplined him. 
but also enough's enough, right? As he says in verse 7, now instead you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you therefore to reaffirm your love for him. It's, it's true, isn't it? You're going to struggle to love someone that you haven't forgiven. Think about the last time someone betrayed your trust, even in the tiniest way. I betray my trust to my brother when stealing his chocolate, and he can't shake my hand until he's forgiven me. Could you shake uh, the hand of someone that's betrayed you in genuine love? You can only do that if you've forgiven them. And Paul goes on to say in verse 9 that he was actually testing them to see if they were obedient in everything. Why? Because integrity leads to forgiveness. And look at verse 10. Uh, Paul models it to them. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there is anything to for- if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. And look what Paul uh, does in look why Paul does it, sorry, in verse 11. So forgiveness happens for Paul in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. We know we have our enemy, we know how our enemy Satan works, right? Do we know that? If you want to be an excellent tactician, I think I'm quite a good tactician. Uh, if you want to outwit someone, you have to know how your enemy works. And the main way Satan works is by lying. You don't need to forgive that person that grieved you. That's what Satan will say. And what did his lies produce in Genesis 3? Division. They were divisive. Adam and Eve hid. They were ashamed to be anywhere near God. And the only thing, like literally the only thing that could restore and redeem that relationship is forgiveness. It will be hard, it will hurt, but it protects and strengthens the church. And so it will protect and strengthen you. Paul knows his stuff. I really like Paul. He's motivated by the future, the day of the Lord Jesus' return. His decisions are all founded on God's faithfulness. He's driven by a selfless love for these guys. And forgiveness is the main way that that's seen. How does Paul know this? Well, it's because of his message, right? He's defending himself so that his message is defended. And what's his message? It's the Lord Jesus and this is, where his, uh, this is where, I think, defending his integrity like this packs a massive punch. Because Jesus is the one who had perfect integrity. Jesus' Jesus' integrity was motivated by the future. The very reason he came was so that our eternity could be changed. Jesus' integrity was founded on his father's faithfulness. The only reason he went to the cross was because his father is, a, is faithful to his promises. Jesus' integrity was driven by selfless love. 
What was he doing on the cross? Loving the world, not himself. Jesus' integrity led to our forgiveness. He is where he is where we've gone to redeem and restore our relationship with God. And Paul, what a man, is having a good old stab at it, modelling it to these Corinthians. It's so important that they stick with him. Because his model is the Lord Jesus' model. You sack off Paul, Corinthians, you sack off Christ. Stick with me. This kind of integrity makes all the difference to these guys. And this kind of integrity will be the one that makes all the difference to us. We need to keep praying for it. We need to keep looking for it in others and ourselves. We need to keep pursuing it. Remembering that it was first and foremost modelled to us by our precious Lord and Saviour. Shall we pray together? Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word. Father, please help us to listen to it properly so that the Lord Jesus' name is honoured and glorified. And Father, integrity is something that we all desire. Um, And Father, we want to be like Paul, who does not rely on himself for his integrity, but lies on your grace. So Father, please help us to be people that are that have this integrity that model this integrity that look and pursue this integrity amen